Hey, welcome to the Rocking Life podcast and Rocking Life After Divorce. And uh, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners that you're listening in today. And uh, this week we will continue our discussion with uh, Joseph Romano. Welcome here today. Thank you for having me. It is uh, such a pleasure to uh, have a discussion with somebody that has gone through divorce but done it in a in a good way with all its up and downs. I went through divorce myself five years ago, and uh, I know the strife and the struggle it can be. And uh, I want to bring hope to people. I want this to be a catalyst or a wake-up call for people that a lot of times get stuck in this downward spiral of divorce. And, uh, I've had several friends that uh, get totally a downward spiral and have a very hard time breaking out of that. And um, you shared some of your story here and you want to share a little bit uh, for other people. And I think when they can hear other people's stories, there is a light in the end of the tunnel that brings hope. What do you think? I think it needs to be heard because especially as men, we don't open up as much as women do. And sometimes it's as if you do get upset, you do show emotion, you do cry, you're frowned upon for it. And that's something I think we need to get rid of because we all have it. We all go through it. And whether we like it or not, we have to admit that we do have these issues. And yes, we do shed a tear. We do get upset. As masculine as you want to be, it's okay to be upset and start over. Yeah. So did you not cry before the divorce? Oh, oh, I did. But <laughs> especially after, just because it was an emotional toll. Yeah. It was more about the kids than anything else because as lost as I was my focus was what's going to happen to them because yeah. I'm the one who filed I made the decision I'll tell you right now I cried at the attorney's office I wow. sat in my car it was pouring out I had the papers in my hand to file paralegal came out and she asked are you okay and I don't know what to do with this I and I didn't know what to, do I hand it in do I not hand it in if I hand it in do I, can I take it back and she said, you're here for a reason. I can't force you to bring it to me, but whenever you're ready, I'll take it. So I just handed it to her and I left. And I always said, even before I got divorced, my children deserve to see two happy parents. Yeah. Whether those parents were divorced or together, they deserve to see them happy because the last year or two years before the divorce, we were living in separate bedrooms. And that's not what children should see. Yeah. And in my ex-wife's eyes, what she wanted was to have a non-traditional family. She wanted to get divorced, live in the same house, in separate bedrooms, have separate lives. And in my mind, that's going to mess the kids up even more because you're not showing them what happiness is. Because are we together? Or are we not together? And this is just them thinking. And if my dad's not with my mom or my mom's not with my dad, are they with other people? What's making them? It's just a lot. I mean, we can go on and on and on for hours and days about different things that run through your mind. But my focus was the children. And I have two boys. Um, How old are they? My my oldest is going to be 16 in a couple weeks. He's going to be driving soon. Yeah, wow. My youngest will be 13 in um, December. And it was eight years ago. So they were basically four and seven at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I have four kids, 24, 22, almost 18, and six, 16. So I have a, the youngest doesn't have a driver's license, and she's just starting. So it's a lot of, lot of fun. 
yeah, but, it's, uh, it's fun, but it's also a little bit stressful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, and so far, it's gone very well with the driving. So it's like uh, with the other three. And uh, the youngest is a little bit more hesitant. She's a little mm-hmm. bit more careful, uh, but she's doing real well. But um, to, uh, it's a very interesting subject when it comes to men and uh, how feelings come into effect. I'm more of a logical person. And the most difficult thing for me going through a divorce was to handle emotions, to, uh, to know, for example, reacting to things. I tended to overreact and things that triggers you and uh, learning how to act and how to maybe not respond to things. Did you have any experience of that? And how did you act before the divorce and afterwards? And is this something you learned about that? Um, I was angry. And I wouldn't even call it anger. I'd call it rage. Okay. Uh, the holes in the walls, that's how I got it out. So for me, it was not logic at all whatsoever. Was that prior to the divorce as well? or? There's a lot of things in my childhood that I've carried with me that I didn't realize until after the divorce, until I actually started going to therapy. Um, Stuff I already knew, things that I had to work on. So there was a lot of pent up aggression, a lot of pent up anger. And even honestly, the past four years, um, I was in another toxic relationship to where everything was my fault. I took the blame for everything and I'm the one who needed to change. And I'm kind of glad in a way that that happened because it really, gave me or forced me to work on myself because if I'm being told I'm the problem, I had a failed marriage, I'm in this relationship, I'm being blamed for everything. What did I do wrong? What's my fault? Trying to find out not everything was my fault. It is 50, 50, but also there's patterns that you have to recognize and that's what everybody has. So if you're in a relationship, whether you're married or not, and these same things continue to happen and say you're divorced, and you keep meeting people and you having same issues, relationship after relationship after relationship, it's the pattern that you have to figure out and it comes from childhood. Yeah. So after the work that I've done, there's no more anger, there's no more rage. If there is a situation that I have to deal with, I do take a step back and it is more logical. So how do, you, how do you recognize that in you and how did you work through to come to that point? Just like I said, everything was my fault. Everything. Um, so I looked at my marriage. I Is it to my... start taking responsibility? You have to take responsibility, especially if you're getting those to therapy. Yeah. If, if you want things to change in your life and if you want things to change in your relationships and the same, same things continue to happen, maybe it's not the partner. Maybe yeah. it is you. Or maybe it's a combination of both. And I've read up, and this is going to sound corny, I have read up um, a lot. I've read a lot of relationship books. Yeah, um, I did too. <laughs> one is the five love languages. I actually took the test. Yeah. Another one is called attachment. And I recognize what my attachment style is. I'm anxious. Yeah. And the people that I would attract were avoidant. So I would try to prove my affection for them. And as much as I would try to prove it, they would run away. And then when it came to situations with work, it's the same thing. I have to prove on how I can fix this or do something better. And that was always the way it was made up. Once you recognize your patterns and you recognize how you are, you can actually think about what's going on, take a step back before you react and think about different situations and different outcomes on what you want to have happen. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I've heard it say that what you project is what you attract. So if you project brokenness and uh, dysfunctional, that's what you're going to attract in a new partner. Exactly. And uh, if you project wholeness, then that's what you're going to attract. And I think it's uh, a lot of truth into that. And uh, I myself started dating too fast after the divorce, dated out of uh, the wrong reason, mainly loneliness. And uh, I went through extreme loneliness initially. And uh, it was very difficult because I was married for 20 years and my whole, the closest relationships, that was my wife and children. And uh, due to different things, I did not have a lot of close other relationships so when you went, and then we also moved. So in the area, I didn't have a lot of uh, friends. And uh, that was actually my first podcast. It was with my best friend. And uh, he went through a divorce the same time I did. And uh, we didn't know each other. We, we met up in a, a life group at church. And then uh, he asked if he wanted a roommate. And this is like a year after starting the divorce. And being a roommate with the somebody else was the best thing that I've done because we were roommates for a year and a half. We were able to talk about these issues, starting to become vulnerable and open with another person. And I had a real hard time opening up. Is that something that you've dealt with? I had a hard time opening up to men, especially. Um, It was easy for me to open up to women. Yeah. Um, Just because of when I was a child, I was abused uh, by a family member. So that was wow. one of the reasons why I was very closed off. I was very distant. So to be about around men wasn't comfortable for me. Yeah. And yeah. we, in our family too, it was always your traditional Italian household where you had, it was conditional love. You had to prove basically your love. And if you did something wrong, we'd have to apologize. Um, I'll show you that I can be different. So those were the types of women that I looked for. Yeah. And if, if they knew that, if they knew my history and I was either cut off, um, given a silent treatment, that child in me came out, I'll be better. What do I have to do to fix this? And for some people, it could be overbearing because, all right, stop, I need some time. It, it matched in a sense that it kept its uh, toxic pattern happening over and over and over again because as much as I was trying to prove myself to them they needed to step away after we took those couple days breaks we would come back to the same situation things would be great for two to three months same problems came up again yeah when i started getting therapy and i started going for help i started to recognize my patterns and i'm like let's talk this is what is going on in my head when you're doing this this is how i'm going to react if everything is about communication everything Everybody can say that a marriage fails because of money. A marriage will fail because of sex. A marriage will fail because of any other reasons. But if you don't talk about money, if you don't talk about sex, if you don't talk about feelings, if you don't talk about anything, that's where everything, it all falls apart. It's communication. Yeah. If you're in a toxic relationship and you guys can recognize the issues on where it comes from both ends, that relationship, if you want it to, can be saved. If one person does not want to take any responsibility for their actions and are always willing to place blame, it'll never be saved. So you have to have communication. And that's the one thing, if you don't have it, it 
nothing will work out. And that's the one thing that I actually did learn is communication is key. You can talk about sex. You can talk about money. You can talk about anything. But if you cannot talk about those things with your partner, that's where it all falls apart. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, one of my favorite authors is uh, John Maxwell. I'm a John Maxwell coach, and I coach people uh, in different areas. But uh, I'm, I'm more and more coaching people through divorce and, and mainly to help people move through it in a good way. Uh, but he's written a book called Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. And uh, I agree 100% communication, but also connecting with your romantic partner or with friends or at work is one of the mm-hmm. most important things in life uh, to have close connections, to have these really awesome friends. There's nothing more important than that. And uh, connecting is a skill. It's not something that you're born with. And a lot of people don't know how to connect. They don't know how to communicate. And uh, were you not able to com- communicate? Uh, and is that something that you've learned now? Or how did you figure that out? Communication now, um, there's a huge gap. I mean, w- this is a whole other conversation because especially with technology, social media, um, my kids, and I learned this from Simon Sinek, will, will never understand what it's like to go up to a girl at a bar and ask her out and get rejected. Yeah. <laughs> All I have to do is swipe left to right. But communication, to learn how to communicate, it's something I actually had to learn to do because I always thought I communicated. But realistically, I would yell on what was going on in my mind. Okay. I didn't know how to articulate my feelings. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't know how to express what I was thinking without it being an argument. But also, too, when you're with the right person, you don't have to overthink on how you're going to talk to somebody. Um, perfect example is the girl I'm with now. It's somebody I met when I was 13. Always yeah. attracted yeah. to this woman. Saw her for 30 years, on and off every couple of years. And she's a secure person. And... I've never had to worry about how I'm going to come across because she does what she can to understand me. She knows about um, my past relationships. She knows about my ex-wife. I know about hers. She's the type of person to understand or try to understand, even though she, at times she doesn't, because in her mind, we'll get past whatever bumps in the road that we may have. Yeah. We might have our disagreements. We, I don't think we've ever argued. I don't yell uh, at all. She doesn't yell at me. There's no name calling. It's just an understanding. Well, this is how I think. This is how you think. How do we meet in the middle? I've never had that before in my life. 46 years, whether it was family or a woman, I've never had that. So this type of relationship, because it's so healthy, in my mind, it's boring. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not walking on eggshells. I'm not waiting for a shoe to drop. And it's boring in a great sense because I don't have that anxiety anymore of Uh, what's going to happen next. But uh, were you able to be vulnerable earlier in other relationships and uh, being, being able to express your feelings? You said that uh, articulate feelings was difficult. I would always express my feelings, but it wasn't in the sense to where I would be able to talk about it. Like, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of rage. I would yell a lot. Being vulnerable, yes. I would always open up about where I came from, what my backstory was, just so they can have an understanding of who I am. Yeah. Because you have to remember, too, a lot of this stuff happened so long ago, I didn't remember it until I was in my 20s. Wow. So that's when it started to all unravel, and 
I started having flashbacks and that's when it kind of hit ahead for me. Yeah. And when I tried to express it to my ex-wife, she said, if you're only remembering it now, it probably never didn't happen. So I suppressed it again. And then it started to come out after the divorce. I drank a lot because the only way to deal with my feelings was to numb myself. So there was a lot of highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard so many stories about people going through a divorce, using a lot of things to dampen the, the feelings, alcohol, drugs, pornography, etc. How did you work through the divorce, these feelings, these, uh, the roller coaster up until you started feeling good? I hit rock bottom. Um, I remember the, the day it happened because I was on a, a flight back from San Diego or Las Vegas. I was at a, a work event um, as well as teach. I do other things on the side, but after the divorce, I kind of thought my kids were better off with an insurance policy than me being around. And I knew that pulling the trigger or actually trying to commit suicide wasn't an option because I did not want my kids to have that in the back of their head that their father killed themselves. So in my mind, let me drink as much as possible and drive home from work because if it looks like a car accident, it was a DUI. I don't know what flipped or what changed the script. I just knew that God forbid something actually did happen the way my luck is probably would have gotten to an accident. Somebody else would have died and I would have been the person who couldn't walk or do anything stuck in a wheelchair living with the regret because of what I did to somebody else and what I tried to do to myself just because I thought my kids were better off not having me around. And it was a wake up call. I was on the way back from, like I said, I was on the flight and I just said, I cannot drink anymore. I have to stop. The withdrawals were horrible. Addiction's addiction. I don't care what it is, whether it's a substance or an activity for me, it was alcohol and I needed something to replace that. I fell back into work. I went back to the gym. I had to make changes. And if I didn't make those changes, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Um, I got involved in network marketing. I'm not even going to go into the whole thing, but they shove a lot of personal development down your throat. And that's what made me wake up, get help for the divorce and realize that there's actually a better way. So a lot of groups that I went to, it just didn't fit what I was looking for. If I was going to a church group, I was called a center. Other groups that I went to, like I said, I don't remember the years, but just say the woman was divorced for 10 out of those 10 years that she was divorced, her ex was dead for three. What have they done to help her because she's still complaining about him? Not only has she been divorced for 10 years, but he's also been dead. He doesn't care. He's not around anymore. So that's what prompted me to create my own group and call it moving forward because I had to get out of a hole that I was in yeah. and realize that there is something better because if I'm not whole or if I'm not, the father that this these kids need or even deserve, they're going to be just as screwed up as I am. Yeah. And that's yeah, the that's, last thing we want. That's interesting. Uh, first, back to rock bottom. How long after the divorce was a rock bottom? I want to say about a good two or three years. I was drinking heavily. Wow. And uh, after the rock bottom, how long before you uh, got over, you know, worked through the, the drinking 
I just quit immediately. Wow. Because I haven't been drinking since. I can do it socially. Oh, I gave okay. myself a timeline. I cannot have a drink for, I, be, I believe, 24 months. Okay. Couldn't, I, I refused to do it. So you were sober for 24 months? Wow. I, I needed a point. Yeah. Because I, I don't believe I was an alcoholic. I believe I was an abuser because I only drank heavily for one reason. Okay. I could socially drink, but if I really was looking to get into an accident, I would drink heavily on the way home from work. Yeah. And... It, it's the dumbest thing I could have ever have done because thank God nobody was hurt. Thank, and thank God I'm still here. Yeah. There's times I can go out and not drink at all and be okay with it. I'm not addicted to it the way that I used to because I'm not looking for an out anymore. Okay. But did you drink a lot during the marriage as well? At the end of it, yes, because I had no idea what the heck was going on. I was okay. coming home to... Someone that was sleeping in a different bedroom. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk. We argued a lot. I saw the, the looks on our kids' faces every time we would have a confrontation. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting that you started a group to help others. That, that is so awesome, to help others in the, within the same problems. What was it that uh, made you go that way? Was it something external that triggered you, somebody to, uh, to help you, or was it you yourself? When I, like I said, when I went to the other groups, it wasn't what I was looking for. I knew I needed something to get over the anger, to get over the frustration, also to help me with finances, a schedule. And in my mind, with what I'm doing and what I'm learning from all this personal development and the company I was with, let me create it myself. I'm supposed to be a leader for a team of mine. So let me create this because I do have experience of being divorced. Let me hear other stories of people that have gone through it or are going through it and where they're at. And maybe we can help each other out. Yeah. And that's usually what you say. The best way to, to get over a certain uh, issue is like in AA. I think it's the last step of the 12-step program that you start helping somebody else. You become a sponsor of somebody else. And that is such a healing for you to get out of yourself and start helping others. Exactly. And uh, it is very, very powerful. And that's actually what I want in, you know, I'm starting a podcast here, but also have a Facebook group to help others, first of all, get started on this and taking actions and, and starting to move forward but also that in the group that we can help each other, support each other, because it's healing in that just to be able to help and support others in the group. So that, that's very, very interesting. And you had quite a few in the group. Yes. So It was a revolving door. I want to say that the largest number we hit was 80 or 90, but we didn't have that many people show up. Yeah. It was a meetup.com group. Yeah. We had our consistent 10 to 15 people. Yeah. But most of them I still do keep in contact with. Yeah. So if you go back to prior to the divorce and now, what are, if you can name just one or two skills that you have acquired or things that you're different prior to the divorce and now that, has, uh, that you have become aware of? Number one is personal development. That is a skill I think everybody needs to have. One thing I always realized is in the very beginning, if you have kids, you want to put them first. Yeah. And you have to be selfish. And this is where we all fall short. Selfish is not a bad thing. 
Because if you're not whole, if you're not a hundred percent, your kids are going to get a half-assed version of who you are. Yeah. And the other thing that I've learned is patience. Oh, that's a good one. It doesn't it's a virtue. It doesn't come easy. It's oh, hard. Man. And it's funny because I was just talking to a friend of mine um, yesterday and I have a text message. If you want me to read it, he's going through a divorce right now and he's having a really, really hard time. Yeah. And I just reached out to see what he was doing or how he was. I don't call people all the time because sometimes you just do need your space. And sometimes you need to be in that darkness. And when people try to reach out, sometimes they don't realize it does set you back because sometimes you just need to be alone. Um, if you want me to read what I sent to him, yeah. I'd be more than happy yeah. to. Cause I asked him how he was doing and he's, he basically said, um, I'm having my days. Some are harder than others. So he said he can't think straight. And this was my response. I'm like, you're not going to be able to think straight for a while. Basically right now you're a zombie going through motions and a new routine and emotions are so all over the place. You're going to have rage, sadness, happy. You're going to cry for no reason. And you're going to cry out of nowhere. It's more than messed up. At some point you'll realize where you really are and you need to pick up the pieces. First it's for the kids. Even half awake, it's not enough. You need to get better for you. Until you put yourself first, mentally and physically, you won't be the dad those kids need. That's why you focus on you now. That's the hard, shitty truth no one ever told me. You feel like you put yourself first and you're going to be selfish, but realistically, you're not because you need to be whole to be there for your kids. That's the hardest part, and especially being the guy, we always take the blame and everything's always blamed on us. And his response was, that's the realest I've ever heard. And now he's crying. Yeah. So that's good. I think it's so important to, to reach out too, because a lot of times you go through loneliness because of all the big changes I did. And, um, uh, I actually reached out. It was my counselor told me that, uh, because I told her that I was going through loneliness and she said, reach out to a few people you trust and share what you're going through. And also, because I didn't want to be like a bother. So I asked, and that's what my counselor said, ask them to contact you now and then. Just check up. And one of the people I interviewed, actually, it's a, another coach, or she called one of her clients every morning just to check up, just for a few minutes. And it doesn't have to be about the divorce or anything. Just kind of like chat and have, have a relationship and, and uh, have those awesome friends. Because what I did... I developed these awesome friends that I've never had in my whole life going mm -hmm. through a divorce. And now I have incredible friendships. And we, we chat, you know, every several times a week and just about nothing, just calling each other up. I've never had those type of relationships. But it's awesome. Yeah. And he didn't expect me to reach out. I just knew he was going through a lot of stuff. I haven't heard from him in a while. So I just want to see how you were doing, seeing everything's okay. I don't harp on people because i remember when i was in that place i needed to sit in that darkness you have to sit in that yeah. and you have to deal with it and that's the one thing i didn't do because i drank instead yeah once i felt the pain that's when you know you're going to get through it because you have to sit in the pain yeah now you you mentioned uh, personal development that's a very broad area is there anything specific in personal development that you feel that this is something that you've really 
embraced and become different? Just knowing that there is a better way, that the glass isn't half empty, it is half full. I always looked at things as, all right, what next? What's, where else is the shoe going to drop? Where else am I going to have an issue? And instead of seeing what I actually have in front of me, I was always focused on what I didn't have. Okay. That's where it came from. I realized whether you live in a house that's $30 million or if you live in an apartment, you can still go to the beach and look at the same sunset yeah. or the same sunrise. We got so involved in a lot of materialistic stuff. That's where the personal development for me came into play. Okay. Because when I got involved in the network marketing stuff, I was so focused on money and income because I was working my butt off. I mean, I was a teacher. I was bartending. I was doing the best that I could because now I have these kids half the week. So not only am I working two jobs, I'm bringing them back and forth to CCD, sports, making dinner, ironing clothes. I didn't know what the heck was going on. Yeah. When the business fell into my lap and I put myself into it, money started coming in, but my focus changed from, all right, now what else can I buy? What else can I do for the kids? And it was more about purchasing things for them. But a lot shifted because one year I asked them, where did I get you guys for Christmas last year? They couldn't remember. What was the first ballpark I took you eight years ago? And they said it instantly. Yeah. So now it's more about creating memories instead of buying things. Yeah. I think that's a very wise advice. And uh, then we can go into, I'd had have that as a question as well. How do you connect with your kids? How, what's a, I know that there's a lot of disconnect uh, in divorces between uh, maybe more so fathers and kids due to different things. But how do you stay connected in the best way? And what have you done different after the divorce than before divorce to stay connected? Um, it's hard, and especially when the kids get older. Um, my son is a teenager, and the last year was a pretty rough one. Um, but to stay connected, I tell them I love them every day. Yeah. Even at 16 and 13, every single night before they go to bed, I love you. Uh-huh. Even if we argue, I'm set with you right now, just to let you know I still love you. I've never had that when I was a kid. Wow. So that's never changed from the time I was married to the time I was divorced. Yeah. Um, now, with things with my son being a teenager and the cell phone, social media, the girlfriend. Also, remember, too, I was also in a toxic relationship the last four years, and everybody says my energy is always five feet in front of me. So our relationship was very strained. Um, when I started putting restrictions on the phone, his girlfriend wasn't happy about it. Why is your dad trying to break us up? You should live with your mom full time. So I'm arguing with the girlfriend. I'm arguing with my ex-wife. I'm arguing with my, my son. And it got to the point where it hit ahead and he said, I want to live with mom. Um, when that relationship finally ended with the ex-girlfriend, I had to take a step back and take an inventory on what the hell was happening in my life with my ex-wife, with my son. And I got rid of the toxic stuff. The last four to six months have changed drastically to where we actually talk again. Okay. He says, okay. I love you without even me saying, I love you first. Yeah. Um, he talks at dinner again. He puts his phone on the table at night without me even asking him. And you have to take responsibility as a father or a mother. You have to take responsibility, especially for your actions. 
And I specifically said to him, I don't know what's changed. Either it was you or me, but I'll take some of the responsibility for us butting heads. I've been in a bad place for two years. And maybe my energy was feeding off on you on why we couldn't talk. Yeah. But ever since that relationship has ended, I've changed as a person. Maybe you've seen that in me also, but I like what I see with what's happening with us. And it just grew from there. So if you screw up as a parent, you have to admit that you screwed up and you have to let your kids know that it's okay to make mistakes, but at least you have to admit it. Yeah. And I even said, I'm, I'm sorry for whatever part that was my fault. Yeah. But I'm back. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I've learned. It's just be honest with your kids. If you screw up, let them know. And it's okay to tell your kids I was wrong for what I did. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And and being able to ask for forgiveness is not always easy for men. And I I think uh, it's probably harder for men to to go there. It's a lot of pride, a lot of other things. But to be authentic and honest and open, I think is so crucial, especially with your kids, but with your friends, etc. It's a it's so attractive to meet somebody that can be authentic and real. Yeah. There's so much fake in this world, Facebook, etc. And uh, to have real people, that is, uh, that is so attractive. And, uh, but was there anything in particular? So you were disconnected with your son for a while. Was there anything in particular that you did to be able to reconnect? It was, I think it was just time. Okay. I believe, honestly, um, once I was out of that relationship and I started to clear my head and I actually took a step back, I evaluated the relationship I was in. I evaluated how this is not what my kids need to be saying. Okay. Um, their father should not be arguing. I mean, I got out of a, re- a marriage where I was arguing with somebody all the time. I'm in a relationship for I don't know how many years. I'm doing the same thing. Okay. And when I realized that it wasn't all my fault and... I got out of it and I started to just started doing things I used to love to do that I stopped because I was just so in my own head. I think he just kind of saw a change in my mood and my behavior to where his shifted as well. Because you know, when you walk into a room and everybody's angry, you're going to be tense. And I think me not being angry anymore, he wasn't as tense. Okay. And also, too, one thing I do remember is my father was an alcoholic, and we didn't have that father-son relationship the way that I always wanted. And he stopped drinking well before I was a teenager. We actually had one drink before he passed away. And the one thing that he said to me, and I'll never forget this, he never said I was sorry. he was sorry. That's stubborn Italian. <laughs> but he said... The one thing that I, he said, and I knew was an apology on his end. He's like, I wish I was a father to you the way that you are to your boys. Because wow. he sees how I was with them. Yeah. And after he passed away, because my dad passed away in October, and that's when all this stuff happened with my son. And I remember what he said. And I was afraid I was becoming him because me and my youngest, my oldest were butting heads. Wow. And I had to remember what he said because I don't want to have this same conversation with my son's an adult. Let me change my behavior now. So I'm still here and he's present. Like it's still getting emotional. Those are my kids. I love yeah. them. Yeah, I can so, see that you're very emotional. It's, but that's so awesome. When my, dad said, 
So when my dad said that, I knew it was an apology on his part. And that conversation, I, mean, I have a picture of my dad and the beer that we had. And I'm looking at it now because it's just weird. I'm Detroit here. And I remember that day specifically. And I'm like, I have to change how I'm reacting to my son because I'm going to lose him the way my father lost me. Yeah. And I wasn't going to allow that to happen. And that's when I admitted, maybe I was angry. Maybe it was my fault. I'm not going to take all the responsibility because you did play your part. But just know I'll admit where I think I was wrong. Okay. So th- this is awesome. Really, really awesome. Uh, whenever uh, people can be transparent. And that's th- the type of interviews I want to have. I want to have people that can be real. Uh, it doesn't have uh, that that doesn't hide a bunch of stuff that can be real and show themselves and be honest and transparent and vulnerable. And um, I just want to round off this podcast by asking two questions. First of all, to continue with the connection, if you have uh, listeners right now that are disconnected from their kids and uh, they want to uh, be reestablished that connection, do you have any ideas for that father or mother that is listening right now and are totally alienated from their kids. I'm going to make an example why why I want to do that. Now, I've had a lot of strife on and off uh, in our uh, divorce, and uh, I've worked on trying to reconnect in different ways. And, um, for example, uh, three of my kids love gaming, and uh, they play League of Legends. And this was a couple of years ago. And I traveled a lot back and forth to Sweden. So I actually started to learn the game that they played. So it's called League of Legends. And I played about a year and a half. It, took, it was a lot of effort to, to put in there, learning how to play a game. But it was just one way to try to figure out, to get into their world. Another thing is I interviewed a, a divorce coach here a couple of days ago. And um, she mentioned to learn the five love languages. And you mentioned that book yourself. And also learn it for your kids. What are their love languages? Because that's one of the most important ways to connect with people, to find out what is it uh, gift-giving, or if, if it's spending time, or is it physical touch. The five love languages, they have that for different, you know, for your kids, for your marriage. And that's such an awesome book. And uh, But uh, in your experience reconnecting with your kids what would you say find out what they're interested in um find things that you guys can do together mine was to go away just we had to unplug and if you're going to give restrictions on your kids about social media and phones we have to follow the same thing yeah you can't enforce rules if you can't follow them yourself and that's, oh, that's one good thing. You have to, and there has to be a time where everything is away, everything's unplugged, and you need those couple hours or that day just to reconnect, find out what their interests are. If you don't know what your kids are interested in, you're never going to have that connection. Do you have an an example uh, of an actual example of what you did? Um, I realized my, I know my kids were really into football, and I know that they enjoy um, fantasy football. Okay. So... I went with them to to a friend's house that actually has a league and they formed their own teams. I paid for it. So whatever the money that they win, even though it's, I'm taking a cut, yeah. <laughs> but, but they're really into football. I mean, yeah. should my kids be gambling? No, they're doing it more for the fun of it. Yeah. 
but they're with me. They're with my friends. They see what I like to do for fun. I'm not into football the way that they are and the way that my friends are. So it's something that we can all do together. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really good. That's really good. So that was one thing. Yeah, that's a very. Concrete... I know it's a little bit different, and yes, with... no, but that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that that is a key to find their interest and say what they love. To also be creative, and sometimes you have to do something that's maybe not the most fun to you, but it's fun for them. So you go out of yourself. Oh, it's a blast for them. They're really excited. So it's something that we look forward to every weekend now. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then the the last question is really, you just mentioned your friend that's just going through a divorce, and you call them up. What would you say a person that's going through just going through a divorce, or let's let's do it this way? He he or she has gone through a divorce a while back and is in a really dark place, similar that you were started drinking. Uh, you you use the name rock bottom. Who is in the rock bottom and is listening to this podcast right now? What's your advice? Wake up. Um, How? Because if you take a look at your kids. Okay. To, or honestly, the best bet is take a look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Look at the person that, look at the person you are right now, because that's what your children see. Yeah. If you don't like what you see, that's the person that your children are waking up to or saying goodnight to every single day. And if you don't change because kids are impressionable and they learn by us, yeah. you want them following that same suit. Because if they have issues in their lives, do you want them turning to a bottle? Do you want them turning to a substance? Do you want them turning to a device? So if your rock bottom is just hearing somebody say, wake the F up, take a look at yourself in the mirror. If you don't like what you see, I hate to say it, your kids are seeing the same thing. Yeah. That's good. I also think a lot of people, and I think it's more common about men has a hard time asking for help. A lot of pride in that. Reach out for help. If you're in the situation that you want to end your life or whatever it is, it can be a very dark place, but reach out for help either to a counselor, to a, to a good friend that you know. It's like it's so crucial to, to get started, to move instead of just thinking these bad thoughts that a lot of times just become a vicious spiral. So when my friends found out when I actually told my story and they realized that I was suicidal, they were more than mad that I never opened up to anybody. Yeah. But also too, it's a hard thing to talk about because first of all, you don't want to be committed. Yeah. I didn't want my ex to take me back <laughs> saying I was going to try to kill myself so she can keep my kids. Yeah. So even talking about it now, because you just don't know, but talk to somebody, but more importantly, wake up for your kids because they need both parents. Yeah. They need a father figure. They need a mother figure and they need somebody healthy to look up to. Yeah. And that's where you have to be selfish and put yourself first to be 110% for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and suicide is the most selfish thing there is. It's like, it, it's but uh, it's so common. It's like, especially among men, I think it's three times more uh, common among men than women. And uh, it's such a sad thing. And I know that uh, it, it can be very difficult to so reach out. So, Hey, Joseph, it was awesome talking. It was a pleasure. And I'd love to have you on the podcast in the future to uh, discuss uh, other things. And uh, <laughs> it, it was really, really good. 
And I love I to connect with people that that really want the best for other people that that can that can share their stories because I know that people are listening now. They can relate to you. They can relate to your story, and they're going to hear the story that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, we have a a, a Facebook group uh, called Rocking Life After Divorce, and in this group we help each other, we support each other, and and you heard from Joseph that. One of the things that Joseph did was to start a group to help other people. And that's also part of this getting through this is to help other people to get out of yourself. So I really invite you to the Facebook group. And uh, you can also send an email to rockinlifepodcast at gmail.com and uh, ask your questions. We will answer those on the podcast. You can also record your message on the link in the description in the podcast. So I just want to end that and uh, I want to say thank you again to Joseph to be willing and, and being vulnerable and being you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I had a good time.